0: Well, welcome today, all of you that we call into one wherever you are. Greetings to you, all of you who are out on church online. Glad to have you here and thank you once again for inviting us into your home. Uh, We appreciate it so much. We are, I am so grateful to be on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus with you. We go together. Now, Who's ready to be challenged today? When when you signed in or logged on today, were you thinking, I would like to be challenged today? Because if that's you, I'd love it if you could just throw the uh, clapping hands emoji in the chat or maybe type ready. I'm ready to go. I'm I'm ready to be challenged. I'm ready. I'm asking today that I would listen for God's voice. And then not just listen, but then respond to him. we, We can pray together even as we begin. God, help me to see as you see So that I might do as you say. We are in episode three of a four-episode series called Necessary Sins. And if you've missed the last couple of weeks, you might say, what in the world are necessary sins? Well, in our world today, most people would agree on some sins. That they are just, they're always bad. These are the big bad boys that no matter who you are, wherever you are, everybody knows these are Wrong. Murder is a sin. Rape is a sin. Most people would say stealing is a sin, especially if you are stealing from me. But there are some sins in our culture that a lot of people today would say, well, you know what, I'm just not so sure that they're always wrong. I mean, God might say that they're wrong, but if you ask me, I think that they're a little bit more acceptable. I think they might actually be necessary. They're just kind of a part of life. How else would I do life if I didn't do these things? And today I want to talk about another of one of those things that people might say is just a necessary sin. It's just unavoidable, really. Next week we're going to talk about anger and and our temper, so look forward to that. But today I want to open up our time again in the same way that we have in the, in the last couple of weeks, that we, we look at a prayer from David from Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. And if you're comfortable, would you please just read this aloud and make it your prayer also for today, but ongoing. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, 24. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search us, O God. Point out anything in us that offends you, and then lead us on the path of everlasting life. The necessary sin I want to talk to you about today is the sin of sexual lust. And this is a big issue. Honestly, it concerns me. It impacts our society and culture, and I believe it grieves the heart of God as we shatter relationships. In our culture today, a lot of people would say, well, you know, lust is not really that big of a deal. Right? I mean, God kind of made me this way anyway, didn't He? So, just all men battle with lust, no big deal. But today, I want to be just really clear about this right up front. This is not a male issue, all right? This is a human being issue. And even though men might be more numerous and perhaps more easily tempted, women are easily hooked also. According to an article in Today's Christian Woman magazine, the author, based on the study that they had done, found that about one in six women, this includes Christian women, one in six women now struggle with an addiction to pornography. Much, much higher than what it was in the past. And according to very conservative studies, 50%, and some say way, way more men, struggle with pornography and a host of other lustful Issues And so if you have children or teenagers or pre-teenagers, we we seem to have several of those in our house, and we probably will for quite some more time because we got three kids in there. I I, I don't know if you know this or not, but the highest users of pornography are actually 12 to 17-year-olds. If you have children in your home, this is something that should have your full attention. Let me tell you why I'm concerned. There's a couple of reasons. Number one, first of all, because most of us, let's be honest right now, eye to eye, we have no idea how to talk about it, right? That's it. We try to remember what, what was it like, what did someone say to me, uh, how, how do they bring it up, and, and what we came up with was freak out, right? That's usually the whole strategy that we have, and that's a lousy plan. Second, because the access to that which feeds our sexual lusts has never, ever been higher. I mean, you can take any type of mobile device and you can get into anything and everything that you would ever want to or never want to get into. So the access has never, ever been higher, and at the same time, third, I would argue, there's more tolerance, more confusion around lust issues than ever before. The cry goes up, right, for freedom of expression, freedom of artistic expression, and how do I get ratings? Stop being such prudes. TV standards have almost disappeared and streaming services are worse. Sexuality is in almost every televised or filmed thing that's out there. And while now at the same time the recognition of of, we, we need to be treating people carefully and respectfully and all the time, it seems in combat because don't treat people in real life like objects, but of course imagine and be entertained by people as object as much as possible. The messages are mixed, and they get confusing, and, and they can mess with your thinking. And so the standard of what is acceptable, I think it's just, it's just gone way, 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 way down. And a lot of people would argue, well, but what's the big deal? Because what I'm doing doesn't hurt anybody anyway. I mean, no one even knows about it, right? It's just who I am. It's just what I go through. And this is incredibly common today for people to justify and to rationalize. I mean, I'm not hurting anybody. This is just the way that I am. You know what? It's not even anyone's business, all right? So why are you making such a big deal of it? There's a couple of reasons, okay? And for those who, who, who want to pursue Jesus, there are reasons. And for those who are not believers and they're not followers, there are reasons for them also. But if you are a follower of Jesus, we got to take the words of Jesus seriously. And what he said was very, very clear and very, very convicting. We go to Matthew chapter 5, start at verse 27. Jesus says, you have heard it said that you shall not commit adultery. And most of us would say, Jesus, high five, on the same boat with you there. it's Probably a bad thing to do. It destroys relationships and not just two relationships, right? It destroys or sours or poisons the relationships of really anybody around those two. And Jesus raises the standard and he says, but I tell you, anyone who who does what? Say it aloud with me, come on. Anyone who looks lustfully at a woman has already done what? Already committed adultery with her in his heart. According to Jesus, looking lustfully like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, come on, check it out. Praise the Lord for that. That kind of a mindset, looking lustfully, is equal to committing adultery in your heart. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you have to agree that surrendering surrendering to the natural sinful desires of lust is wrong. And not only is it wrong, but according to James, it's very, very dangerous. James, remember James, the brother of Jesus, said this in chapter one, verse 14: temptation comes from our own desires, which what? What do they do? Read it aloud, read it aloud which entice us and drag us away. 15, these desires give birth to sinful actions. And when it's allowed to grow, in other words, when it's not confessed, when you don't turn from it, when you just continue on in your sin and you allow it to grow, you'll get better at it. What does it give birth to? James said it gives birth to death. Death of what? Certainly death of purity, death of intimacy, death of trust in a relationship, and spiritual death. Sin leads to death. Sin always leads to isolation and out-of-relationshipness. And further to that, sin leads to death. So when temptation grows, its actions, and it's continued unchecked, it's incredibly destructive. And if you don't believe it, just continue to feed the fire of sexual lust. Watch where it will take you when you wake up sometime from now. The void of intimacy, void of depth in your relationships, void of the relationships with a human being, broken spiritual relationships, it leads to death. The word entice, James says this entices us. This is actually a fishing term. And I don't know how many of you love to fish. I'm not particularly good at fishing. Here's a picture of me uh, after catching some champion Fish. You see, there's a champion fish and not so champion fish. Um, you'll see Merlin, he's trying to show you the fish that I caught. I mean, that he caught. Um, my kids like to fish, and they're probably all better at it than I am. Anyway, uh, back here, I- imagine we've got the fishing line and there's some bait or a lure on a hook. And that which leads us to lust, that which compels us, that's our spiritual enemy's bait. You say, "Oh, oh, that looks good. Look at it. Look at it. I think that'll fill some emptiness. That will keep me from being bored. And we go after it. And then we're hooked, right? And we're enticed. And we're dragged away. And we look back later and we say, why? Why did I even do that? The word that's translated as entice is the word entice. Deliazzo. And if you're taking notes, that means to entrap. It means to allure, to entice, or to hook. Now, how is it that we're hooked, right? You set the hook when you're trying to catch the fish. I want to give you some real practical steps of what commonly happens in people. And as, as you listen, some of you might say, you know what? That's kind of like my story. I, I, I can identify that the first thing that happens is that you are exposed. You're Exposed to some sort of sexual impurity. Maybe, maybe you're a little kid and your friend comes over and says, hey, let's play doctor, right? I'll show you mine, you show me yours. Uh, and, and then you're exposed to something. And, and because of the context, even as a child, your innocence is tainted. And you can't untaint it. Maybe you're a kid and you're walking through the mall and you see You see the Victoria's Secret place, right? I saw a mom before. She was taking her her little boy, like 11 years old, walking him along, taking him in here, and the boy's like, what? He's like, I I don't know what Victoria's Secret is, but will somebody tell me now? What is Victoria's Secret? It doesn't look like she's hiding anything. Maybe you're online, and and there's an ad, and, and, and you click it. And then you click on something else, and before long, you see something. Something appears on your screen, and you weren't expecting it. You you, you didn't plan to see it, but there it is. And then unfortunately and tragically, some of you, and it's tragic how high the percentages are. You were a child. Someone betrayed your innocence and abused you. Maybe it was an authority figure, somebody that you trusted. And at a very young age, you lost something that is incredibly special and important to you. You were exposed to something impure. For many, you were so young and you were left going, I don't don't even know why I like this, but I, I like what I see. And to this day, if I try, maybe this is true for you too. You, you can think back. You can pull up an image in your mind. You can remember what you saw way back when, when what happened is that you were exposed to something that was impure. Then, again, if you're taking notes, or maybe you're following along at our website under latest message notes. first of all, you're exposed, then you're injured. And that's what happened to me. Maybe that's what happened to you, too. My mind was pure. And then suddenly, my mind was polluted. And you know it's polluted because these thoughts, these images, reappear in the most bizarre circumstances. They arrive back and they're mixed together in things that have nothing to do with them whatsoever. You were innocent. And then you were wounded. Something in your thought process is no longer the same. And imagination is a powerful thing. If the imagine, in, the, in the imagination, incredible things are conceived and pursued. Imagination is a powerful, powerful tool that can be led towards great good and great evil. And there is no way to calculate the damage that has been done to the character of manhood over 50 years of pornography or what might be better thought of as anonymous voyeurism. Our young men and women are suffering from a manufactured addiction to internet pornography, the results of which are invariably just swept under the rug. To pursue the truth, you must take control of your desires. And as long as they can enslave you to your own desires, they can continue to distort the truth, make money from you, and you will be none the wiser. And here what we're doing is describing an injury to an individual, but also the vast geometric injury to the society. And there's plenty of scientific evidence that shows that porn addiction can cause sexual performance and psychological issues. Every kind of addiction has extensive biological and physiological effects in our brains and on our bodies. Rampant and easily accessible pornography is destroying the modern men and modern women's view of sex the opposite gender it has decreased their energy it causes many forms of anxiety and it's warped many people's views of reality and through its continued consumption that fantasy world invades the regular world and, it, and the regular world struggles so hard to keep up with the fantasy take manscaping just recently become a whole new thing it's a product to be consumed but the market has been created it's heavily porn influenced that porn look is now somehow the expectation for body hair and grooming and this interest is growing in younger and younger children a plague to our culture and an unrestrained and championed pursuit of sexuality a must have it you need it there's nothing that's more of the human essence than sex right this is the question of our incredulous culture what could be more important and we have witnessed that boiling over of rage and self-loathing that turns into acts of egregious violence recently in that newly labeled incel culture. The involuntary celibate, they demand sexual gratification, they feel like they deserve it as if it's a right, and someone must give it to them, give them what they want. And so now they feel justified if they don't get it in acts of mass violence. It is becoming increasingly rare to find people standing up against these rapidly growing and extremely lucrative businesses. You consider Canada right now, the horror and the outrage against Montreal-based MindGeek, which housed the internationally, internationally huge online porn site, Pornhub. Based on demand and increasingly aggressive demands, we see human trafficking growing and being a scourge in our world, in our country. And even in our near geography, with Highway 7 being a major transportation and exploitation route, the trafficking of people for the gratification of unchecked urges, it only exists because there is a large demand. The demand is measured, it's cultivated, and it's grown through consumption. This is a huge issue for individuals, and that collection of individuals creates our society. And I have to ask you, is this the world that you want to live in? It's the one that we're called to. But we, you, me, you and me together, we must live in earnest pursuit of Jesus so that the kingdom of the Spirit, the upside down kingdom of Jesus will come into existence and become visible to those who as of right now cannot even begin to imagine it. They have to see it come to life you you were exposed to some impurity and then you sustained an injury of the mind then the next thing you're exposed you're injured then you're confused if you're like a lot of people you simultaneously feel the sense of enjoyment and shame i like this but i feel guilty and then and then you become like the character paul describes in romans chapter 7 where he says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. And, and, and I'm trying not to, but I am. So I don't know what to do. Thank goodness for Romans 8. So because you're enjoying it, you feel guilty. People become skilled at justifying it. Well, well I probably shouldn't, but I'm single, so it doesn't matter as much right now. This just kind of helps me get through things, to relax. Just got to calm down. And you're married and you think, well, if my spouse met my needs, I wouldn't have to. And since he or she doesn't know, must be okay. It's just kind of how I cope with things. Things will be better if I do it. And you tell yourself this and you hope that you make it through. And sometimes you get convicted by God and you make a promise. God, I'm never going to do this again. God, if you help me, I'll never do it again. I promise I'm never going to do this again. Then nine days later, there you are again. Some, some of you know what I'm talking about. There's holy people out there, I'm sure, that are sitting there looking around going, I have no idea what this is. Don't have any idea at all. But then there's the real people. And you're the people right now who don't really want to make eye contact with anybody. And you're saying, I, I kind of know that story. I know what you're talking about. And sometimes you have these long periods where everything is good, and and you've had that that time of sexual sobriety. Long period of time, and then somehow a crack comes in, and and, and the door opens, and and you get back into something, and you go on binges where you find yourself in real trouble. What happened? You're You're confused. You were exposed, you were injured and you're confused. And I've heard people say, hey, hey, I was single, and I thought, maybe when I'm married, the problem will just go away. Then you got married, and the problem didn't go away. You think, man, I I I must have an internal problem. I I have a passion problem, and I go, you don't have a passion problem. You're dealing with an injury that has not healed. You've been wounded by your spiritual enemy, and your mind has changed and it has not healed. So several years ago, I I taught a series of messages about secrets. And we allowed people, encouraged people to anonymously confess openly their secrets. And I pulled out a few of those confessions, and I want to share a couple of them with you now. I'm going to tell you that they're they're, they're edited down because I know we've got kids listening as well. And if you listen, you're going to find those. You're going to sense those who are exposed, You're going to hear that injury, and you're going to get a sense of the confusion that's going on. This first woman, she says, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm a Christian who masturbates and views porn online. I am so ashamed, yet it feels so totally separate from who I am. I want to be free, but I also enjoy it while being sickened by it at the same time. And now that I've confessed it, I need to go and vomit. You can can hear this. There's injury, there's there's confusion, and the wound that's there. Next guy says, I've struggled with pornography for many years. I found myself uh, watching, and and then he goes and he he lists off types of porn. And I'm not going to list what they are, but types of stuff that people would go, ooh, I I didn't even think of that. Just kind of way out there stuff and he says I'm so sorry I'm so ashamed of myself these things are not even attractive to me but I've distorted my mind for so many years that I've become bored with regular sexuality please pray for me you can hear it there's the wound and you've and you got the confusion that comes with us. It, it, it's all there. This last guy says, I'm leading a double life. My wife and my children have no idea that I'm secretly attracted to men. It started when an older boy touched me, an injury in junior high, and it followed me through life. I've recently been lying to my wife and doing things that would devastate her. I, I want to tell her, But I'm afraid she'll divorce me, and I don't want to lose my family. Do you hear it? Exposed, injured, confused. You've got an injury that has yet to be healed. So, what do we do? Honestly, what do we do? Do we just not look at each other anymore? Pretend that nothing is happening? Pretend as if no one except you is dealing with this? Do we justify it and say, well, this is just the way I am. This is just life. I mean, I'm just dealing with this. This is just a necessary sin. Or do we believe that because Jesus says it's wrong, it's destructive, it ruins relationships, and that Jesus declares that if we know him, we can be free? Do we just surrender to it or do we believe that there is something better? And with all of my heart, with every bit of faith that I have, I know that there is something better and there is a way out. And I want to keep it as simple as I can as we go forward, okay? So I'm going to give you two words that are going to help you heal from the lustful wound. Everybody say, protect. Protect is the first word, okay? We're going to protect the wound. For example, I don't know if, any, if I've ever told you that I used to want to be a stuntman, right? And perhaps now you are laughing very hard. Perhaps you could not imagine it. Well, I'm here to tell you that I certainly am no longer a stuntman. But in the fifth and sixth grade, Man, I used to ride my bicycle straight off driveway curbs, not quite as good as Aiden. I I would do amazing stunts and come out completely unharmed. I jumped so hard so many times and got such wicked air that I broke the frame of my bicycle. And I'd wave as I went by to the girls, and I could hear them swoon, oh, this is amazing. One time, I just decided I'm going to do something super daring. Who knows the word endo? Yeah, I was going to do a foot endo, a stunt that I am sure that I created all on my own. I was going to pull out a foot endo right in front of a girl that kind of thought that for some reason I was a little dorky time to show her a little something, something. So she's walking on the sidewalk and I'm riding on the road and I was riding slowly towards her. And then when we were just at about the same point, I just jammed my right foot above the tire and under the front fork. Okay. I had worked on this for quite some time, but this one was going to be the best. I was going a little faster than normal. You, you, you ain't going to wow anyone doing something at training speed. So My foot goes in, the bike stops rolling forward, and the back end starts rising up. I've done this before, so many times, like four. So nothing to worry about, right? So the back end, it keeps rising up into this daring display of awesomeness. And for just a second, with one hand on the handlebars, and one hand proudly waving high in the air, I held it. Then I went right over the handlebars and skidded across the ground. Loser, she barely managed to say as she was overtaken by awe. And then I rolled over, jumped up and cheered and boldly yet unconvincingly claimed, I meant to do that. And I rode off, gloriously uninjured. But one of my friends wasn't so lucky on a different day and he went over hard. He woke up in the hospital covered in bandages, glue, string, duct tape, whatever else they used to kind of put kids back together. And the doctor told him, from now on, you have one assignment. This is the most important thing that we can tell you. This wound is so deep and so long, the only thing that you need to do is to protect the wound. You have to keep it from being exposed because if it gets infected, this could be really, really bad. Some of you have been wounded. You saw something you shouldn't have seen. You, you got excited, and, and then you, you've justified it. You hide it. And the next thing you know, you, you're, you're confused. The way you think has been polluted. It's adjusted now. And, and now, you don't want to, but you do. And sometimes, you just do anyway, and and you want to, and, and you give in to it, and the problem is you've been injured. But guess what? God heals wounds, but you have to protect the wound in order for God to heal it. You can't keep opening it back up. So how do we do this? Psalm 119, verse 9. Hundreds of years ago, the psalmist, that's the name of the person who writes these songs or these poems that are called psalms. The psalmist asked the same question that we could ask today. How can a young man keep his way pure? Interesting that this is not just a modern day question, right? But one that has been asked for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. How can a young man keep his way pure? By doing what? Come on. It's better if you say it out loud. By guarding it according to your word. By protecting the wound. By guarding your purity. By keeping distance between you and that which would tempt you. Jesus in the New Testament, he taught it this way. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, you should gouge it out. If your right arm causes you to sin, you should cut it off. It would be better for you to go through life without all of your body than to give away your eternity. Now, was he being literal in his analogy? I'm hoping not. Right? Okay, Because if he is, there's going to be a lot of one-armed cyclopses wandering around town. But Jesus, I don't think he was being literal so much as he was being figurative, trying to get the cost, the value of this out. You've got to do whatever you can do to stay away from that which would harm you. The Apostle Paul, when he talked about sexual immorality, he did not say, fight it. He didn't say, resist it. He said, flee from it. When it came to immorality, it it wasn't about fight and it wasn't about resist. He said, run for your life. Get out of there. Keep a distance between you and anything that would hurt you. In other words, you protect yourself. You protect the wound. You stop it from being opened again and again. Give it time to heal. Create some distance from things that you have found in the past to be tempting. Don't keep going to those things. Create space for your eyes and ears to not be in what would be your danger zone. Triggers, they can so often be small. They can be insignificant sometimes. So what we have to do, we have to agree that we're going to decide ahead of time to protect ourselves, to be cautious, to remove our gateways, to remove or even to avoid the hint of your temptation. And, and, and to do that, is that like being all super Christian-like because in reality, you're just so weak? And actually, no, I'd say it's not like that. I'd say it's because you're, you're that smart. Because for, for many, for me, this is more the way it's moved. 362 days of the year, I'm not that weak. It's just not what it once was. At this point in my life, I'm not nearly as vulnerable as I was back when I was 18 or 23 or 27. But if ever I am vulnerable... Guess what I've already done? I've set up systems to keep me from that which would be tempting, to protect myself and those around me. Now, I don't know what you will need. You have to be honest about it. You are only as strong as you are honest. And some of you, you might have to say, you know what? I can't travel alone anymore. Maybe I can't go to that gym because at that gym, it's just more difficult. Maybe you need to learn how to bounce your eyes. If you see something that's inappropriate, you just bounce. You train your eyes to look somewhere else. Train your eyes to bounce away so that you do not start down a troublesome pathway. It's harder the more steps you go. You might need to get rid of certain books that you've been reading. You remember that book craze not that long ago, The Fifty Shades of Grey? I'll tell you what's amazing. You go into a used bookstore and you go there and you're going to see signs up in there now, no more Fifty Shades. Because they have already stacked them floor to ceiling. People bought it, read it, and then purged it. I don't want that in my house anymore. But you got to do what you need to do. Some of you say, you know what, I'm still, I'm I'm feeling down on myself because I I still struggle. I've been a Christian for for so long and, and I still struggle. God can't use me because of this. Or, I I could never have a good marriage because of this. And I'd say to you, the fact that you're still struggling isn't necessarily a bad sign. The fact that you're still struggling is an indication that you have not been defeated yet. They're, They're still fighting you. You are still fighting. The problem is when you surrender to it and you say, you know what, I just give up. If you're still struggling... What's happening is that you're a sinful person. You are naturally born bent towards sin. But but you're not surrendering to the temptation. You're still fighting by the power of God. And as you learn to depend on his power, he can help to set you free. So if you are on the receiving end of a confession, someone opens up to you, please don't look at them like you're a loser. Realize you're talking to someone who's been injured, who's hoping to be healed. Maybe on the other hand, you're going to be the person who says, I have to open up. I have to tell someone, I'm really struggling with this. Don't beat yourself up. I'm a loser, no good pervert jerk that God doesn't even love. No, 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 no. You're someone who's been injured. You're seeking healing from God. You protect the wound so you can heal. The number two, next word, pursue. You pursue. You protect, and then you pursue. You don't just try to have a good defense, right? You're still playing to win. For example, everybody, close your eyes for a minute, please. Everybody, just close your eyes. I know that you don't want to do it, but please, just do it anyways. No looking around, no peeking. No peeking. There's someone on a couch. Someone on a couch who's peeking right now, close your eyes. Don't think of a pink elephant. Don't think about a pink elephant. Nobody with no peeking, do not, do not, do not think of a pink elephant. Nobody's thinking of a pink elephant right now. Okay. Open your eyes. What do you see right now? You see a pink elephant? Two reasons. Number one, because it's on the screen. <laughs> Number two, because I told you to not think about it. If all you do is say, don't have lustful thoughts, don't have, oh, today, no lustful thoughts today, no lustful thoughts, it's all that's on your mind. You keep doing that, it's going to drag you right back into it. If instead you say, I want to to pursue God. I want to know Him, I want to serve Him, I want to follow Him, I want to be transformed by Him. That gives you a good offense as well as a good defense. So keep this thought in your head because this might even seem a little counterintuitive. It's not so much what you are going to stop, it's more about what you are going to start. What positive direction are you going to pursue? So this is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse 18. They are darkened in their understanding. And they are what? Come on, read that part again. They are separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Some people's hearts get hardened because they've been walked on so many times. And they are separated because of that from the life that God intended for them. Verse 19, Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. What happens? When we sin like this, we are separated from the life that God intended. Why do we give in to lust? Why do we look? Why do we fantasize? Why do we pull up those memories from the past? Why do we fool around before we're married? Why do we fool around even after we're married? A lot of people would say, well, I was bored. I felt empty. I felt lonely. I wanted to feel something that I'm not. It's kind of filling a void. It's a distraction. And What happens to you is that you're settling for a counterfeit. you were settling for the quick hit, the quick fix, the momentary thrill. When God has something so much better, you are separated from the life that God intended what what was the life that he did intend he intended for a life of intimacy with one other person he intends for a life of purity he wants you to have no fear of getting caught no looking over your shoulder no regret at all he wants there to be absolute trust in a relationship no comparisons absolute security and in intimacy he wants something far better but your spiritual enemy puts some bait on a hook, right? And he wants you to swim towards something. Go for it. It looks good. Swim towards something that takes your life away from focusing on God. Now, I'll be real honest. The times when I'm most vulnerable are the times when I've stopped, I've paused, I've discontinued pursuing God. And I don't mean forever I just mean for right now. When I'm pursuing Him and waking up with a mission, with a calling, and serving Him with a reckless abandon and listening to the voice of His Holy Spirit, making myself available to Him every day, I don't have time to be distracted by the lower things of this world. They're just not distracting like they used to be. You see, I've I got, got a higher calling that fills me up on the inside. And the temptations of this world, they just don't look so good. When I'm serving the only one who is good. And no matter where you might be today, you can be free. You may still be struggling, but the fact that you're struggling proves you have not yet been defeated. And by the power of Christ, you can protect the wound so that God can heal it. And then you don't don't have just a good defense, right? But you've got a good offense. You are in earnest pursuit of Jesus. You're doing something significant. You're laying down your life for his glory. You are making a difference because this life isn't all about you. It's all about him. And when you're glorifying him, the lower temptations of this world, they just do not pull on you as they once did. You can be free. By the power of God, when you're living with your eyes up on Jesus, when you were in earnest pursuit of Him, when you were tuning your mind to the frequency of the Spirit, you can be free by the power of God. So I want to encourage you right now: pursue God right now. Confess to Him where you are. Take this next song as your prayer, and pray it as the band.